Welcome to Criminal Justice News with the Justice Policy Institute. Today, we'll talk with Executive Director Mark Schindler and Director of Research and Policy Jason Seidenberg. For more information, please visit our website, www.justicepolicy.org, or Facebook and Twitter at Justice Policy. So we're at a particularly important and interesting time when it comes to bail and pretrial reform across the country right now. There are states and jurisdictions that are um, implementing practices, changing their laws, and quite frankly, doing all they can to uh, change a system that for too long has relied uh, on money and resources to decide who stays in jail and who doesn't. Uh, to one that now hopefully will rely more on um, whether someone is a risk to public safety or a risk not to appear in court, which should be the only reasons that uh, people are held in jail pretrial. So we're seeing this in jurisdictions across the country. Um, uh, on the adult criminal justice side, I will also say that this follows uh, many years of reforms on the juvenile justice side, led by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, that's showed that uh, the number of children being held pretrial can be reduced very substantially with no uh, public safety cost and saving jurisdictions millions of dollars over the years. Um, in Maryland, uh, we are very involved uh, with a coalition of advocates, directly impacted people, um, policymakers, uh, and others to encourage Maryland to follow suit. And I'm um, pleased to say that over the past year, uh, Maryland is going in the right direction. The Court of Appeals um, uh, unanimously passed a change in the court rules that uh, going forward requires that judges make an assessment about whether someone can actually afford uh, bail that's set before they set that amount, and also requires that commercial bail or some money or collateral be the last option before uh, other avenues are explored to ensure that someone returns to court and doesn't reoffend uh, during that period. And what we're seeing in the early stages of implementation of that rule is uh, what we had hoped, which is uh, more people are being released on their own recognizance, which means fewer people are sitting in jail just because they don't have the money to get out. Um, and more people actually are being held in jail who are high risk. And for people who are high risk of committing a, another offense uh, or failure to appear in court, um, we don't want people like that to be able to buy their freedom. Right, because somebody being able to pay their way out who is a safety risk is a, is a risk for all of us. And so the, the early um, returns show that the court rule is having the attended effect uh, for the most part. And with any change in policy like this, it's going to take some time uh, for the system to, uh, to get it exactly right. And there are judges who I think are struggling with this, and we're seeing this in particular jurisdictions, and that means that we need to keep working, it, working at it and uh, provide education um, so that folks know how it should be uh, implemented correctly. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and this is a big, big part across the country and also particularly in Maryland, is that oftentimes judges uh, feel like they would like to release someone 
uh, but they feel like they need something more than just releasing them on their own recognizance. Um, and that's where pretrial services comes in. And so uh, there are jurisdictions around the country, including here in Washington, D.C., that do a terrific job of providing the types of support, services, and reminders to people uh, in the form of pretrial services that drastically reduces the likelihood that they won't appear in court and that they would commit another offense. And we're talking about well over 90% of people uh, in effective pretrial services programs who come back to court on time and don't commit an offense uh, uh, during the time they're awaiting their hearing. And that's exactly what we want. Um, and so Maryland is looking at uh, hopefully ways that they can expand their pretrial services and so that more jurisdictions can provide those types of services and supports. And just to give you a sense of some of the things that are done, for example, uh, many jurisdictions had, have found that simply by uh, having someone called uh, on the phone and reminded that they are to appear in court can significantly improve the likelihood. That's the same as me when I get a reminder from my doctor or dentist appointment. And so why wouldn't we do the same thing for people in the criminal justice system when we know it works uh, for other folks uh, in, in their daily lives? So I think those are the types of things that, that uh, hopefully can be implemented. They can be done in a cost-effective way. Um, and it's, it's the right way to go forward. It's the smart on justice thing to do. It's the smart on crime thing to do. And it'll, it'll uh, I think, pay good dividends in the future. Hi, this is Jason Zeidenberg with the Justice Policy Institute. There are hundreds of thousands of people locked up right now in jail simply because they're defendants that can't afford the bail amounts put to them. While that's bad news, we can say that on the juvenile justice side, we've seen some dramatic reductions in the number of young people confined pretrial uh, using strategies associated with the Juvenile Detentions Alternative Initiative. These strategies basically mean that a young person can go home uh, if they have a brush with the justice system, and that whole system exists without relying on money bail. There really is no sound public safety reason why someone shouldn't be able to return to the community uh, once they're involved with the justice system just because they don't have the ability to pay. In 1997, there were 28,000 young people in pretrial detention. By 2015, there were 15,000 people, uh, young people in pretrial detention. Basically, they cut the pretrial population of juveniles in half. That's because there's 250 communities around the country that are involved in something called the Juvenile Detentions Alternative Initiative. This is something that's operating in 39 states in the District of Columbia, and basically, these are ways to make sure that a young person shows up to court, fulfills their court obligations while they're at home with their parents and while they're back in school. All of these alternatives have been used without relying on bail, something that shows us that you do not need to charge someone a bail amount that they can't afford and, and have them show up to court. While on the adult side, there's something like 400, 500,000 people are currently in jail simply because they are there pretrial. Uh, if we used more of the strategies being used in the juvenile justice system, and specifically the strategy used to reduce pretrial detention, uh, we would be able to see 
more people at home, more defendants in their home communities working, being parents, and contributing to our communities rather than being in a jail.